Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Girl Boss Radio from Panoply. It's me, Sophia Amoruso, your host, the founder of Nasty Gal, the author of the New York Times bestselling book Girl Boss, and the author of Nasty Galaxy, a real pretty book that just dropped on bookshelves and hopefully the front table of bookstores two days ago. Um, so you can go out and grab your copy now. Um, I'm currently on a book tour. Over the next couple weeks, I'm going to be in Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Brooklyn, Austin, and Coral Gables, Florida. These events are going to be really fun, and um, I'm excited to meet everybody and to share this book with you. On Girlboss Radio, I interview a different woman each week who has done something astonishing. We tell her story from the beginning of her career, her first job, and extract advice along the way to share with you and for me to selfishly apply to my own life. Today's guest is Yessie Ortiz, uh, someone that I have been really excited to have on the podcast for so long. Yessie grew up with an overwhelming passion for music. Her favorite radio station was Power 106 in Los Angeles from a time before she could even remember. One day she was listening to the station, she heard an ad for a broadcasting school, and that was all it took for her to enroll. Through sheer hustle and tenacity, Yessie found a way to fulfill her dream of being part of the Power 106 brand, and that meant moving to different states and different countries to get there in the process. What makes her even more of a girl boss is what she's done outside of work. Off the air, Yessie is a single mother to her six children, uh, who were all adopted from their biological mother, who is Yessie's sister. And this happened when she was 25 years old. She is such an inspiration, and I'm so thrilled to have Yessie in the studio today. Yessie, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm I so mean, excited I've to I've be been here. trying to get you on the podcast for so long, and it finally happened. And oh. your story is so inspiring, like so cool. Your story is just oh. as cool. So I'm honored Thanks. and like amazed. Like, oh, there's Sophia. No. <laughs> there she is. So um, I start every podcast with the same question, which is what was your first job? Because we all have a start. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really interesting to hear where people begin because we like to celebrate where people are and their accomplishments and nobody really knows like what it takes to get there right you know a big part of what we like to explore on this podcast and I love that question because it's like no one really ever asks it like it in general it's always like oh well what did you do before this it's Uh like no where did you get your start how did your you know, um, work ethics come into play at what early age? I love that because it's the root of everything of who you are. Totally. So, so I started babysitting at like twelve years old. So I was like, you know, always hungry for trying to work and get yeah. money. So babysitting was like the thing, right? But at fourteen is when I really started working in a environment where I actually got a check. You know, my uncle owned this little restaurant, and right next to the restaurant was a market. So he had me in charge of, like, the register, and since it was a restaurant next door, the dishwashers would come over, and they would bring me the utensils, and I would have to dry them really quickly Uh so they can be repurposed again, and you'd be used into the restaurant. And I was just in charge of the, you know, to-go food and stocking and inventory at 14. It wow. was like just me in this tiny little store. That's so cool. Yeah, was it was it, fun. Yeah. Is working with family fun? No, it was I, at that time I thought my uncle was like the worst ever. He's my godfather <laughs> as well. And I'm like, he's so mean because he's making me restock these sodas like one way. And I didn't understand uh-huh. it because I literally would just stock 
these sodas and he would see me. He's like, that's not how you do it. And he'd grab the soda and move fast. He's got to pick up the pace. And uh-huh. like, gosh, what does he want me to move so fast? So boring. Uh-huh. I'm not going to have anything to do. But, you know, I realize now that it was that ethic of getting the job done. Totally. Was what he was teaching totally. me. Totally. I definitely, you know, when I find myself being the person walking fastest, like in my own office, I'm like, yeah. Hmm, there's something wrong here. Should I slow down? <laughs> I, know, I don't know. Um, that's so cool. How do you stock soda well? Is there like a, do you have to face it a certain direction? No. <laughs> yeah. Don't shake it. Don't shake it. <laughs> Literally lift it up from the top of the bottles and do two at a time. You oh, know, okay. two, not one, but two at a time. Totally. It's literally the smallest adjustment that got the work done. Totally. You know, And it kind of makes things a little bit of a game when you have a way of doing it that's super intentional. That's yeah. not just like I'm doing this thing when you're like I'm tweaking out and I'm doing it like yeah. this one way. Yeah. And let's then see how I can – It makes it like more fun. Sometimes. How I can get it done faster this totally, time. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. What was your job after that? What did you do after from, that? From that point on, I worked at the Mrs. Fields Bakery. So I was at Mrs. Cool. Fields Bakery. Yum. And I loved it. It was probably my favorite job of all time. Did you eat the cookie dough? I ate the cookies, the cookie dough, the the brownies, the breads. Oh, my God. I mean, I, like, pride myself in the sandwich making because people would come see – They would come see me because we had a little sandwich area and, like, all the coworkers would be like, oh, the employees from the mall or, like, the Uh hospital that was across the street, they'd come over and they'd be like, can you make my sandwich, though? Like, not – Like, I would specifically be asked to make your sandwich, which was – Made me feel good at 17. Totally. I think like that ethic with my uncle, like teaching me stuff, got me to like really become an asset to Mrs. Fields Bakery and they made me like a daytime supervisor. So I was able to like get into that position pretty quickly. How do you feel like you make yourself an asset? You know, because I feel like that was ingrained into me. So, you know, just looking out for the things that an employer will want or becoming indispensable in some way or another. But do you feel like you've carried that throughout your career? I feel, yeah, I definitely do. I felt always like I wanted to be important. I wanted to be reliable and I wanted, and I enjoyed really feeling like accomplished. I really enjoyed feeling like, like I got the job done and I made my boss happy or I was able to produce something yeah. and I got a good pat on the back. Like yeah. I enjoyed it that. It feels good. It felt good. It's yeah. Humans are funny because like it feels good after you exercise, but just like I still don't want to do it. There's yeah. still so many things. Not everything clicks like that, right. you know, where it's like it doesn't feel good to be hungover, but it still happens to me right. sometimes. Like we don't always learn from what feels good. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's, it's true. weird how that works. I really wish it did work all the time. All the time. Yeah. I know. I know. So I heard you were painfully shy as a child. Very. Um and you were in ESL classes. Yeah, I was in ESL classes, very shy, did not speak a word of English. Like I would, my mom had remarried uh, to an American and he was trying to teach me how to speak English. And my mom tells this story way better than I do. But she was saying how he would tell me like, this is an orange. And I'm like, no, naranja. And he's like, no, orange. I'm like, no, naranja. And she says that uh, I went to her and was like, he's crazy. He's saying <laughs> this is orange and it's naranja. And uh-huh. so when she tells that story, I was like, dang, I was really persistent on the, w- wanting it to be You're an like, orange. No, no, this is You an, don't know. Naranja. <laughs> I can't say it. Naranja. I can't say it. Um, and so broadcasting, how did you get into broadcasting? At what age, you know, you went to community college? Yeah, I went to community college. I thought I wanted to be a nurse. So I was at some point, Mrs. Fields Bakery, I ended up meeting some coworkers and I got to work in a hospital across the street. Oh, cool. So I was working at a hospital across the street and 
um, I thought, I was like, you know, I really enjoy this medical field thing. I really like helping people. The hospital will, you know, pay for school if I go to nursing classes and maybe, you know, get a job here. So that's what I wanted to do. And I was taking anatomy classes, but there was something inside me throughout my entire childhood, whether it was middle school, um, middle school or high school, I always was involved in like a choir or some sort of music. And my mom, one of her ways of her learning how to speak English was through music. She loved listening to the Beatles and Madonna and the Bee Gees. Like that was her thing. So when I saw her and how happy she was with music, it made me happy. And music was always that one thing. So I was going to school for some anatomy classes and I seen, I heard a, a commercial on the radio talking about, have you ever thought about broadcasting or the entertainment business or do you love music? This is the school for you. And I, I immediately called and I went in and part of the curriculum was to be in a broadcasting studio. It's very similar to this studio. This little closet of ours. A li- <laughs> it's, a, it's a little lovely closet uh-huh. um, with some old school equipment though. This is nice equipment, old school equipment. And, you know, it was just go ahead and speak naturally and you know, and it was, you know, there was a curriculum to it. And I ended up being really well at it. And my teacher kind of just saw something in me that she pointed out in me that she's like, you're really good, you know, behind closed doors, nobody's looking at me, you know, no one can see me and I can listen to music and I can be myself and no one's going to look at me. And so, so you get, you get out of school, I'm assuming you graduated. I graduated a little bit early because I was able to have enough credits to finish early. I had already got hired doing weekends in Vegas. Oh, wow. So I was doing weekends in Vegas and Saturdays and Sundays, and I would was living in Long Beach. So I would leave Friday night, drive to Vegas, and then do the radio thing Saturday and Sunday, come back Sunday night, mm-hmm. go to work Monday, and go to school Monday through Friday. <sighs> work and Monday through Friday and go to school That's Monday amazing. through Friday. I, I did like that for like three months. The people that I know who work through college, I mean, I didn't do either. I just kind of flailed. I mean, I did a little community college and I've had a bunch of crappy jobs. But the people who really like went for it and like had like a full work schedule and a full school schedule are just like the most hardworking people. It's really it's really fascinating. Anyway, well, thank you. I'll yeah. take that as a compliment. No, it's cool. <laughs> um, so from Vegas, so weekends, so you did that for three months. And then and I was like, you know, I'm just going to quit Long Beach. I'm going to quit working over here and just go find the same job over there. Totally. And just leave Long Beach and just How did you do that? You you must have had like tapes of your shows and then do yeah. you submit it? Like how does it work in that? Yeah, in when world? I was at the school, I had tapes. I was able to record my show and have tapes cool. and – email them tapes of me or, I mean, uh, mail them tapes of me or MP3, a, a file. And that's how I ended up getting an audition for the Vegas gig. Cool. And I was actually at the right place at the right time. I met a radio DJ who's out there and um, he actually kind of like brought me in and told me about the audition and we're hiring. So that whole process, who, by the way, is now our morning show guy here in oh, Los cool. Angeles. So that, our morning show guys, really, I owe him the, uh, did you bring him to Power 106 or did he bring you to Power 106? No, it was a co-sign. I technically didn't bring him, but I co-signed for him to come to Power 106. Oh, cool. For sure. So I was able to return the favor. That's so nice. <laughs> you poached him. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And so did you move to San Diego? Uh, after Vegas, I was there for about two years and then I moved into Mexico. Oh, wow. And I did radio in Mexico for about eight months. I was cool. completely broke, had no money. Was the radio station was tanking. Oh, no. It was like 
a bilingual station, Spanish and English hip hop station. So they were barely paying us, making like $300 every like two weeks. And then mm-hmm. sometimes they couldn't even afford to pay us that. And I was, my rent was $320 a month. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Yeah. I have no money. Yeah. And I was very, very lucky to have someone approach me about a morning show in San Diego. And so that's when I was like, I'll take the job. Totally, totally. So I left there and I did mornings in San Diego. So one thing I've left out, just because this is a huge part of like your girl boss story, is that you adopted six children yeah. <laughs> at some point in this story. And I want to place this at the right point in the story. And yeah. I don't know when that happened. Where Did you move to Mexico with them? Did you adopt one at a time? I just right. want to know because um, that's like double whammy is like yeah, you know, it's pulling like yourself up career-wise the way you have. You're but like, also okay. <laughs> you did find a way to provide for other people. So you are – you're like – not a nurse, but you did, you know, care for other people. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, it's like this whole thing. Like, yeah, that's great. You made into radio. I have this great story, but also I adopted six kids along oh, the way. Oh my god! So you, had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was a crazy um, family situation. Yeah. We when I was in Vegas, and I was like, okay, I'm in Vegas. I'm doing radio. Then I heard of this, um, what was happening at home. My sister and the father of the children got into a domestic dispute, and the children got taken away. Simple as that. They got put in the custody and the father and the mom both went to jail and they couldn't get it out. They couldn't get their lives together. And I had, I was like, well, I got to do something. Like, I'm just not going to let my family just fall apart. So my mother and I had purchased a home together in Vegas. And, um, you know, since I was a first time buyer, I had a really good chances at reselling it for profit. So I sold the house. We sold the house and we used that money to hire an attorney. And we hired an attorney and, you know, the lawyer looked at me like, you're kind of crazy. You're young. Mm-hmm. You're trying to take these kids out of foster care and you're like early 20s. You've got a uh-huh. 50-50 chance. So what are you thinking? <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, yeah, that's pretty much it. So where do I sign? Let's yeah. do this, you know? Cool. And... um I was, my goal was, all right, my lawyer is going to handle all the paperwork and trying to figure out what she's got to do. What I got to focus on is getting back to California. Mm -hmm. So how do I get back to California? Does that mean taking a job in Mexico? Because I'm a little bit closer to another border of California. Fine. That's what I'm doing in hopes of getting a job in San Diego, in hopes of climbing my little ladder up to Los Angeles. That was my goal. Amazing. So that's what it took for me to do that. Totally. And so did you adopt all the kids at the same time? Yeah. So at, at uh, when I was in San Diego doing mornings, I would leave there about noon, about 11 o'clock, and I would drive up to Orange County for like 2 o'clock hearing. This was occasionally throughout the months. And then okay. finally, you know, I was pleading my case, you yeah. know, pleading my case to step up and be a foster mother to these children and then a guardian and eventually adoptive mother. But I had to plead my case. I had to- How old were they all? The youngest was at that time was four, and the oldest was eleven. Wow! Yeah, what's it like bringing six kids home and being like, okay, today I'm a mom of six kids. Yeah, that's gonna be like, what's that adjustment period like? Where do they sleep? Like, how do you? I mean, that is wild. Yeah, I ended up finding a little town home with like a three bedroom little town home, and I had two empty rooms with two bunk beds in it and like a little three beds in each. Yeah. Just kind of waiting. 
and it, oh. living in this little townhome, kind of waiting, borrowed money from people to just try to even get into that location yeah. and just try to have something to show the judge that you can count on me. Mm-hmm. And I took parenting classes. Oh, wow. um, I took all kinds of classes just to prove that I was dependable and I can be, you know, in charge of taking care of six kids. That's so cool. So I did everything that I could without the judge asking. I just did it. I was like, this is my goal. What do I need to get there to do that? Yeah. And when I got custody of all six kids, it was incredible. It was like, I did it. They they all came home with me. Yeah. And it was like the craziest thing ever. Wow. And it's funny because you remember the show ABC's Nanny 911? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I swear, I promise you. But I used to look on their website and they had like parenting tips. Oh, yeah. And I would use those parenting tips totally. to incorporate in my life with the kids. Yeah. That saved me. Like I'm sure. It was like, okay, I don't want to take another parenting class because I have what I need, but these are some pretty creative parenting tips. Mm-hmm. And so I took that, and that's kind of like what helped me along the way. With six kids, one's going to be like unhappy at any given moment. Oh, girl. Or like, I mean, right? Like oh, girl. You can't. It's like, it's one thing if you have like, you know, a couple, and it's like, okay, they're doing great right now. Yeah. But like six, there's probably just, the, ch- the odds are that something is going wrong at yeah. any given time, right? At any given time. Yeah. Can you imagine my household when they were six? sick oh my my gosh gosh. i was running through one bedroom through the other bedroom making sure one wasn't getting you know throw up in her hair and the other one was like not puking in his you know bedroom (laughs) or anything like that so it was just insane and trying to manage all of that and at the same time being at work at like 5 a.m wow to get it done for the morning show how did you pull this off financially well, I was li- I was able to get adoption assistance from the government. They have this program called Adoption Assistance Program, and it was for families specifically who wanted to adopt but couldn't have the finances too, which was perfect for my case. And that was like the really great thing that our governor at the time, Arnold Schwarzenegger, signed off on because he really wanted to give families a chance to reunify with family with other members, and they didn't have the finances. So adoptions assistance came into place. I was able to have that plus my little salary that I was making at the radio station and then like little side hosting gigs that I would do. And being part of the radio station, you get, you know, perks of like movie screening passes or like DVDs to bring home to the kids. And we'd make movie night at the house because I had like the newest dvds that just came out cool i feel like i'm like watching rocky like jump rope in the rain like, <laughs> at midnight or something like at what point did you find yourself back in los angeles where you had dreamt of being for so long a friend of mine was working there already as an imaging director um name's just incredible who's also our seven to midnight guy at the, on the radio station so he was working there and he was like hey I know you've been trying to get to Los Angeles. And I said, yeah, I've actually set up a couple of interviews. I'm going to go try for um, this new station in Los Angeles. It's a bilingual station. I want to go try there. Um, the station that I was working for was a sister station to Kiss FM here also in Los Angeles. They're iHeart Media. So they were like possibilities of maybe being able to move. And he was like, before you do all that, just send me a tape of yours so I can send, submit it to our program director and, you know, let's see what happens. All right, cool. So I did that, not thinking of anything. I was like, there's no way. I've only been in radio for like four years. People are in this business for 10 years and can't even crack Los Angeles radio. So yeah, how the heck am I going to get into the radio? And sure enough, I was called in for an interview. And at like 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning, I drove from San Diego 
to the Marriott right next to LAX to meet them for breakfast before they like were heading out on a flight. Um, I met with my program director and the general manager, and we just sat like for an hour, two hour interview. And how long ago was that? That was in 2006. Wow. Yeah, in February so you've 2006. Been with Power 106 for 10, 10 years. years. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so, you know, what was it like stepping into a market like Los Angeles? Was it scary? And then how have things changed as you've gotten used to being a mother and, you know, probably have been more capable of providing for a family, you know? Man, I was scared out of my mind coming to Power 106. Yeah. Scared out of my mind. I was... You're like, they're on to me. They're, yeah, I'm a fraud. Yeah, I don't know totally. what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Don't know what's going on anymore. And I was so scared. I... I remember sitting in my room crying, thinking, what am I going to do? Like, this is for real. And there was this book. Have you ever read this book called Who Moved My Jeans? I haven't, but when I worked at Borders Books, it was very popular. Okay, so there's I this, know what the cover looks like. Okay, there's this chapter in the book, and I highly <laughs> recommend it for anybody who's actually looking to, like, get out of the rat race because that's what it's all about. Um, and I read this chapter which said, what would you do if you weren't afraid? You know, what what if you're afraid of the dark? But what if you weren't afraid of the dark? What would you do? You would probably step into a dark room if you weren't afraid. So it was like this whole thing about what would you do if you weren't afraid? Would you take that risk? You take that chance? And cool. it was a simple question. That's a really good question. It was just a simple question. That's a good, great question. Yeah, question. I'm like thinking about it for myself. Right? I'm like, oh my god. But what I do? What I? What if I wasn't afraid? What would you do? The what I would do makes me afraid. Yeah, ah. yeah. No, that's afraid. <laughs> no. Sorry, mom. (laughs) No, it's it's exactly that, though. And that's what I went and I just went for it. And when I got to power, like, you know, you got all these guys around you. And I remember growing through my phases of being a personality. There was men who were constantly saying, she's not going to make it. What? You have no idea what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I came from working in customer service of hospital care and fast food and things like that. All of a sudden, I'm in the music industry. Uh-huh. I don't have a lick of experience. There's in the a lot of industry. egos, right? So many egos because there's these cool DJs and all these DJs are cool and they're buddy buddies with all these stars. And here I am, like I came. I'm a mom of six kids, <laughs> yeah. and you know that's just how do you how do you gain respect without being like an asshole back? <laughs> You know what? I'm still trying to figure out how I did it, Um, even if I haven't. (laughs) You just do a good job. Yeah, I think I was just killing him with kindness. I really just was – I think the mom instincts kind of kicked in too because there were times where I'm like, if I have to speak to you like a kid, I'm going to, but you're not going to talk to me like that. That's Uh just not how it's going to happen. Okay, cool. You know, so it was like kind of – you guys can't see her, but she's like moving her hand around (laughs) like no and like shaking her head. I'm already scared. I'm a little – Listen, I'm just like – I take take you seriously. You know, it's just – just, I think it's – all moms can relate when they have kids. Like nothing should be more scarier than having kids. That's cool. I hope I get to develop that quality at some point. But you know what we all do? We all have that. Totally. You know, we all have that nature. You grew a business Mm -hmm. ground up. You obviously had this fearless where it's in, inside us. You just have to tap into it. And I just tapped into that. And I was able to be like, you know, my kid is at home sick. I don't really have time to deal with your ego at this moment. So <laughs> yeah, totally. what do you need? How can I help you? Yeah. And it was just that. And yeah. that's how simple it was. And people don't know what to say. Some They're of like, the but, 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 Yeah. But some of the DJs that I was working with, we would butt heads, but now we're like 
good friends. Totally. So we came. You have to like slay the dragon sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's like, and then it's just like, whatever. I don't have enough pride to like dislike you. I just like want to get I'm my tired. shit done. Yeah, you know? I'm yeah. tired. I don't really totally. have. Yeah, and I actually, I'm no kind energy. of entertained by you. And at a certain point, you just, it's like, don't take things personally. Yeah, it's don't like, take okay, things personal. Okay, I get personal. it. You're a really insecure guy. Right. Duly noted. Now, how can we get this job yeah, done? not dating you. Right, right. right. Um, <laughs> um, Sophia, I feel like we relate so I know. much. Yeah. <laughs> With that. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, you've had, you've had to make so many difficult choices, and that's something that everyone in their 20s, you know, should only hope to make because that means you're probably doing the right thing. What advice do you have just about – challenges in life and making hard decisions um, for our listeners. I wish I could, you know, have some sort of like cool answer to that. But I think for me, what has always worked has been what was the best interest for my family and myself, making those choices that I do with good intentions. Mm -hmm. Every decision I make, it's with good intentions. It's not being um, diva-like. It's not being like uh, selfish of any sort. It's really the good intentions of the better of myself and my family. Totally. So whether that means me having to take a loss on a paycheck for that week because my family needs me, that's what I was going to do. Whether it was my family's okay at home, now I've got to go leave my house at 10 p.m. at night to go make this, you know, extra money. That's what I was going to do. Totally. Um, it was really a game of chess every single day and picking and choosing the battles and what was worth the fight and what wasn't worth the fight. But my family was my big reason of fighting, period. Totally. And any kind of challenge, facing any kind of challenge. Yeah. And there was a lot of them. There was cool. a lot of them. What's good for the goose is usually good for the gander as long as you're not like – being super selfish, right? You right. know, it's like I want to do what's right to protect myself within reason and right. do things that I enjoy, but also make sure that I'm providing for my future and the future of like people that I may not have even met yet. You yeah. Know? And I'm not going to like step over the anybody's six children toes. that I don't even know I'm going to adopt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It's like um, in it for everybody. There's no need to step in in anybody's toes or step in anybody's lane or anything like that. Like, I just don't yeah. believe in that. I work in one way. My way is to work with, like, true, genuine, authentic self yeah. and be your authentic self. What if you're having a bad day, though? Like, how do you – I mean, it's like your voice, you know? There's yeah. moments where I'm like, I'm distracted. I need to leave this room. Or, like, there's other stuff going on. Like, how do I interview somebody when, that. like, there's a thousand things running through my head? And you've been doing this for, I mean, 10 years in L.A., but ten years, your whole 12, life. 14, yeah. 14 okay, years. 14 years. How do you put out of your head that, like, your kid's sick or your car's busted or, you know, the shit's about to hit the fan and, like, <sighs> sound happy? And, you know, because we all have to do it, whether it's into a microphone or, uh, you know, at work. Yeah. Or, you know? I think with my life – music was my escape. Like my job really is my escape. Oh my it was allowing That's me nice. to be who I am and it was allowing me to be Yessie Ortiz. So I was Yessica all the time, but when I was in the studio, well, when I'm in the studio, I'm Yessie Ortiz and it's allowing me like my space. It's my space, my sacred space to who, to be who I want. And sometimes when I'm angry and I'm really upset and I like have this moment of like... Oh, and I put my headphones on. I'm be like, you know what? I'm just gonna show the world who I am. Cool. Because right now and you're I'm like wearing a cape fearless. and your arms are outstretched <laughs> right now, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> I'm gonna just we can be see you. fearless. Sorry, I don't <laughs> no, know. It's so cool. <laughs> so cool. Sorry. I yeah. just get so excited because I really feel like that's just how a woman should be. Like, 
it should be your sacred time to be fearless. And just if you've got that aggression, if you've got that anger and you're going through your drama, and I understand that drama and I get that drama. I've got my kids. I believe you. You know what I mean? I've got my kids. It's like you take that energy and you really pour it back into love, into yourself, and you give it all you got. Like, that's so cool. Forget it. What are we going to do? What What are you going to do? It's like metaphysical. It's like, that's like a, it's like a very spiritual, you know, yeah. thing in a lot of ways. It's yeah. just like, all right, you're, the forest's on fire, but I'm going to plant a garden, oh, right? Man. Yeah. Um, there it is. That's exactly that. Yeah. That's exactly, that's great yeah. metaphor. I like that. Okay, so what's your routine? You wake up in the morning. Yeah. What? Drive the kids to school. I know. <laughs> Jeez. What? You open your eyes now, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what happens? Who's jumping on you? Well, the good thing is now the children are older. Okay. So How I only young have, is the oldest one now? So the youngest one is 16. Wow. Yeah, 16. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> what is it like having a 16-year-old? Oh, girl. That's a whole other show. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a whole other show. 16 teenagers are the worst. Oh, we're well, not, we're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, my teenagers. Yeah. Oh. Uh, my youngest is 16 and 17. They're great kids. I'm just joking, Avi. But uh, they're really great kids. My older kids have gone off and do their own thing now. And um, Is it terrifying to, like, just be like, to let oh, go? oh, my God. Yeah, it is very yeah. terrifying because it's like, what are you doing? You're making all the wrong mistakes. Scare the shit out of you. Oh yeah. my gosh. Now you got opinions and you're talking back to me. You're 22. Uh-huh. Who's Stop that girl? It. Get her out of here. Yeah. Oh, you know how many girls I had to kick out of the house? Birth control. Oh my God. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I, I bet you've had a Angel, lot of conversations. Yeah. My about oldest birth son was 19 and he was like sneaking in the girl. I'm like, what are you doing sneaking in the girl? Your brothers and sisters are in this room. 19 and, nice- and living at home. You should be lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Go yeah. get a fucking apartment. Yeah. I remember waking up the girl. <laughs> this kidding. is a true no, this is a true story. I woke up the girl. I'm like, excuse me. Hi. Do I know you? Uh-huh. And she was like, No. I'm like, do you know me? She was like, No, I'm like, this is my home. Yeah. I don't know your name and uh-huh. you don't know my name. Yeah. And you need to go. Bye. Yeah. And she was like, Can you imagine? Uh-huh. She, the story it's that terrifying. she's terrifying. Yes, your tees just woke me up. Like, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Are any of your kids into music? Yeah, the, actually, the two younger ones, they love music. Just last night, we checked out a garage band, which oh, cool. was really cool. And I brought them with me, and they were giving all kinds of feedback. And um, That's so cool. Yeah, we had a great time. We had a great time. I totally interrupted you, though. You wake up, your eyes open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there aren't children jump, jumping on you, but what, what's still, your routine like? Yeah, they're still driving to school. I still got to drive them to school. Cool. And um, I drive them to school, and I come back, take the dogs out. And get myself ready to go to work before it was a complete different story. You know, the kids were younger and in high school and in middle school and there was six of them. And you don't even know how much money I spent at Costco and Uh, what laundry days were like. Laundry days were like 20 loads. Oh, my God. We would take over the entire laundromat. Just like go to a lake. Yeah. And then the next morning, it's like back on the air on your radios, Jennifer Lopez is coming in. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was it's like trip. complete Hannah Montana. Different totally. stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was complete different. Wow. But um, now it's just um I go in at work and I'm I start my day and um I'm also the assistant music director at, at the at Power 106. Wow. So we're in uh music meetings every other week and we go over music and we discuss what's gonna be played and how and 
record cool. labels and what are you excited about right now? What are you listening to? I was just telling I was just telling her that we went to go see um Chance the Rapper. Oh cool, on yeah, I heard night, about that. And it was awesome. He seems so charming. I saw him at the VMA's red carpet one. He was wearing a really cool like onesie. Yeah. I mean, I saw him on TV. I wasn't okay. there. But he was like, just, I don't know. He's like very charming. He's very sweet. We yeah. we met him on Saturday and he came and Your he was like just freaking out. My daughter was, yeah. Cool. My my son was so lazy. He didn't want to get out of bed, but now he's kicking himself in the butt because he didn't go because he really wanted to meet Chance the Rapper, his totally. favorite rapper. But my daughter was like really geeked to meet him and he's so nice yeah he seems so nice, so nice. Like, so good, like he had good parents yeah so <laughs> nice um if you could brunch with any girl boss mm-hmm. who would it be oh my gosh not to kiss butt or anything but it would be you oh, and cool. oprah oh cool oh yeah. man that my name in yeah. that sentence is like well, yeah it would be you, you and oprah for sure cool yeah, maybe really... we can all get together i'd like to have brunch yeah with oprah you have too. a call <laughs> Yeah, I think I feel call. like you got a closer plug. Maybe we can do it than at the White I House do. or something. I don't know. <laughs> Michelle, get Michelle Obama okay. on the phone. That's yeah. the easy call for us. Cool. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. major. No, I really totally. do admire oh, so cool. that. And uh, it, she's, we should, we should brunch. She's, she's RIP'd now, but Lucille Ball would be. Amazing. Oh man, yeah, she was. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That that would be my ideal dream for sure. Yeah. I mean, that can never happen, but in my dreams, it will. Maybe she'll come to you in your dreams. You know, you never know. If you think about her enough, I bet she will. Um, and then I ask this of all of our guests, and we read our our listeners' girl boss moments out on this podcast with just a nice time to to take to remind yourself of the things that you're doing for yourself or have achieved in the last week. That's what a girl boss moment is. What was your girl boss moment in the last week, Yessie? Oh my god, it was just actually this morning. My girl boss moment was a sales client was trying to cheat me from paying me my talent fee. Hmm. And I had to like step up and say, this is what I've done in the last eight months for this client. And I'm humbly requesting a talent fee mm-hmm. for this. You have to deal with these people directly? Yeah. Well, some of the, well, with our sales department at the station. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. someone in, in your own station. Yeah. Mm-mm. And that's tough to do because you have to work with them. And I don't have like someone to speak for me on my behalf. And so I, you know, I got to do that myself. Do any of you guys have agents or anything? No, like, I don't have any agents. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I have my manager, Melissa, but she yeah. does, she does deal, deals with things outside of the station. Okay. But anything that comes to, through the radio station and yes. becoming a music director mm-hmm. and having like this boss type title. Yeah. It, you have to deal with it head on and you got to be the talent. So you have to walk yeah. a thin line. You don't want to be known as an asshole because you need people Right, to because like you, you need them still. Sucks. <laughs> but it's still like I felt proud of myself because totally. I was like, look, this is what I've done. And who knows what the result's going to be. But I was really proud of myself this morning because – um, in the grand scheme of things, it sounds to me like it's in everyone's interest to keep Yessie happy. So, <laughs> especially after a decade. So, uh, that's my I advice to you, to, sales director. You know, yeah. <laughs> I love them, but at the same time, it's one of those family situations. It's like, yeah. we're family. So, look out for me. Totally. Or, you can't use the word family and not look out for me. Uh-huh. Let's let's do this right. Yeah. Come on, Brebra. <laughs> totally. Let's do this right. Is that in your email? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yessie, thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming on the podcast. Please tell our listeners where we can find you. Um, at Yessie Ortiz on Twitter, YessieOrtiz.com, and hey, Yessie Ortiz on Instagram. So. Awesome. And when are you on Power 106 if people are in L.A.? Yeah, I'm on Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Oh on God, Power what 106. What a great slot. Yeah, Monday through Friday, so 10 to nice. 3 
Uh, occasionally, I'll be on the talk as a top talker. They have me a reoccurring guest on there, which is really cool. Cool. And um, I just recently did my my little guest appearance on Love and Hip Hop Hollywood that I'm sure you'll cool. see reruns on. I'll watch it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, this thank you. Really this was a lot of fun. Yeah. And now for some girl boss moments. Girl boss moments are a time in your week when you feel like you're in control of your life. That could mean getting a promotion, finishing your PhD, or having some very much needed alone time. Whatever it is to you, you can send in your girl boss moments by using the hashtag girl boss moment on Twitter or Instagram. We collect them, we read them on the podcast, and each week we actually profile on girlboss.com a different woman's girl boss moment and expound upon her awesome experience. So let's get to it. Devin Noel Van Wright says, when your boss slash dad never wrote a business plan for his company, so you write it for him. Oh my God, Amazing. Um, Jennifer Cormier says, started saving today, setting up for retirement one day at a time. Donna Castelblanco says, changed my alarm titles from phases like wake up fool to these awesome sayings. Hashtag girl boss moment. Melissa McLay says, it's never too late for wine on a Sunday night when you are your own boss. Yeah, it really is never too late for wine. Paige Fetter says, I'm starting my new day job on Monday, and I have three days of freelance work this weekend. That's a lot of work. That's amazing. And my girl boss moment, God, what is my, what, what isn't a girl boss moment lately? I mean, Brangelina, like my whole world has been turned upside down. I haven't really talked about this much, but I got a divorce a couple months ago and I'm still processing it, but I'm also really happy and relieved and grateful that, um, homeboy bailed. So yeah, it's, it's been a really wild couple months and, you know, having now becoming a, two-time author hopefully by the time this airs maybe a best-selling author i'll be crying if i listen to this and i'm not but you know we can't always win all the time we'll see no if you go buy the book right now i'll be having a girl boss moment for the rest of my life so anyway my girl boss moment i guess is just taking things day by day which i feel like is always my girl boss moment but i feel like i'm unlearning so many things that i thought i knew things i've written into girl boss things i wrote into nasty galaxy things that are still true but not always true things can be true but not true all the time and i think that's the subtlety that we unfortunately and so beautifully get to experience as we get older every day um, which I'm grateful for. And if you guys follow me on social media, I'm just like busting out on all kinds of mm, not too emotional, but semi-philosophical and usually entertaining things. So uh, yeah, Instagram is my mode of choice. Anyway, thanks for hanging in there with me, guys. Well, that's it. That's another episode of Girl Boss Radio. Thank you for joining me. And thank you, Shara Morris, our producer, who's sitting with me right now, shoving a microphone in my face. Thanks also to Odelia Rubin, Kristen Meinzer, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. You guys, to stay in touch with all things Girlboss, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Girlboss. You can sign up for our newsletter, Girlboss Diary, which goes out once a week and is getting better by the week by going to girlboss.com. And you can follow me, Sophia Amoruso, that's A-M-O-R-U-S-O, and Sophia with a P-H, Pretty much anywhere social media is found. 
I hope Girl Boss Radio helps you to achieve your goals, or at the very least, maybe helps you set some. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes and share your love on social media. It means a lot. Thanks also to the band Phases for our theme song, and um, I think we're going to have to record another interstitial jam. I'm Sophia Maruso. Thanks, guys. I love you. Bye.